You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how today on the show, two big topics to hit. One of them, Aaron Rodgers and a piece that I wrote for Packer Report about ways that this Packers offense can be better in 2020 because Aaron can do things that other quarterbacks do that are easy that Green Bay doesn't do. And I have... A bunch of interesting data and I think uh, what is a pretty straightforward argument about how the Packers can take a step forward if you're going to make a case for the Packers offense taking a step forward this would be the case before we get to that though we have to talk about the developments over the weekend related to the NFL season because the NFL training camp season is supposed to open this week And a group of NFL players in what was clearly a coordinated statement by the NFLPA and its member players against the league for not having a better plan for player safety in 2020. And they've been using the hashtag we want to play to show, hey, look, we understand that there are risks and we are willing to take on those risks, but there needs to be certain safety nets in place for us to undertake those risks. We know that nothing is perfect. And just living in the world right now is its own sort of precarious situation to be in, regardless of what mortality rates are for young people. It's always a risk. We're still learning about the long-term effects. And of course, all of these players I have proximity to older people, parents, grandparents in their life. Demarcus Lawrence, the defensive end from the Dallas Cowboys, is thinking about sitting out because he has a pregnant wife. And now the data shows that pregnant women are at higher risk for hospitalizations with COVID-19. That is a scary proposition as someone who had a pregnant wife and who's had a child during this pandemic. It is a scary proposition and, and position to be in. And what the players are saying is if you want us to come in and do the thing, you want us to come in and make the money that drives this league to put on the product on television, potentially in front of fans, assuming that's a thing that might happen, then there needs to be better precautions in place. What they want. They want daily testing or something approximating daily testing. They want a longer ramp up period which is to say they want no preseason games. They want everyone in one place, at least you know the whole team in one place, everyone together for a number of days before the season starts with the testing to make sure everyone is COVID-free. The travel during the season is less problematic because they're flying private. It's not like the old days where they had to get on a commercial flight, go through airport security, and do all of that. No, they show up at the airport. 
they have their own little runway, their own little airplane, and so it's probably not a little airplane, and they are protected in ways that you or I simply aren't. So the travel part of this is less precarious. It's not the NBA, it's not Major League Baseball where they're traveling you know, two times, three times, four times a week. It's not like that. Once a week and only eight times in a season before the playoffs do you actually have to travel. So it's, it's not as dangerous in that way. What they want to make sure is that player-to-player transmission of COVID-19 is minimal. That seems easy enough. And the NFL has had months to get this figured out and hasn't. And we are now at the point where all of the time and all of the the things that they were supposed to take from these other sports leagues, that was supposed to help them get to this moment with a cogent plan to say, here is how we're going to protect the players. Here's how we're going to make sure that the people who put on our product that makes us millions and millions and millions of dollars are protected and that we can have a full season because it is not in the owner's interest for Aaron Rodgers to get the virus. It is not in the owner's interest for Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady or J.J. Watt or Odell Beckham Jr. to get the virus. That is bad for business because if they're out, it's first of all bad PR because it reflects poorly on the system that's in place, but also it's just fewer potential eyeballs on your game. And if guys sit, it's even worse. If Demarcus Lawrence says, I'm sitting, you're talking about the most popular franchise in the league, the most profitable franchise in the league, and one of the best players on that franchise sitting out. You think Jerry Jones wants that? And that might be what it takes. It might take Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and Demarcus Lawrence and J.J. Watt and Tom Brady and Russell Wilson to say, get this figured out or we're not playing. And you can make your Shane Falco jokes, your replacement jokes, and you can say, well, people are going to watch anyway. And that's true to a point. But in a season where they're already risking, they being the owners, they're already taking a haircut on this because there's not going to be as many fans in seats. They're already going to be down money. So now you're going to risk further money lost. And you can say, oh, well, you don't have to pay those players' salaries, et cetera, et cetera. Well, maybe. But that's why the NFLPA is trying to bargain for and negotiate for an opt-out for these players. That if they have a reason that they think, hey, look, it's not healthy for me to play this year, so I'm not going to play, that they're still going to be protected financially. And that's something that they have to get ironed out. We were supposed to have all of that done weeks ago, but the NFL has dragged its feet. Now, an interesting take from Andrew Brandt, who is really smart on this stuff, used to work in the Packers front office now, does a lot of writing and and commentary on the business of the league, suggested that this was organized, that the NFL owners decided to push everything to the last minute to get the concessions from the players that they wanted, until it got to the point where they have to say, the players, well, we're either not going to get paid or we have to show up. Because the owners don't want to give up preseason games. The players don't want to play them. The owners don't want to give up the the option for opt-outs to have to pay even some level of money for players who won't be on the field. They don't want to have to do that. And they don't want to pay, frankly, for testing. The testing costs money. It's not like they can just snap their fingers and the medical professionals and the facilities and all of the products it would take. Daily testing would be expensive. 
And that's one of the reasons why NFL owners don't want to do it. And so this is a theoretical tactic, as as Brandt lays it out, that the league has said, well, okay, well, what if we wait until now it's go time and everyone's excited for football and it seems like the players are the ones who aren't giving in. We just saw this with baseball. We just saw this with baseball. The fans turned on the players, not the owners, even though it was the owners and the league with Rob Manfred who were really holding things up. When you make unrealistic requests and demands and when you're intransigent about it, it doesn't matter to the average fan because they want their football. And so the league is saying, well, we want to play. The players don't want to play. That's why this is smart for for the NFLPA to have basically a we want to play campaign. We want to play. And the owners aren't letting us because they're not creating a safe environment for us to play. And if they want us to play, they want us to be around these people all the time, 50 plus, plus coaches every time. And then you want to you want to have a game where not only are you around your teammates and your coaches and the training staff, but then another team. Now you have a lot of added risk. And for the players to say, hey, we want to make sure that as best we can, we make sure that anyone who has this is away from their teammates as fast as possible to mitigate potential transmission. That is reasonable to me, especially when we're talking about millions of dollars on the line. No one, it makes sense for no one to have a season where there are risks beyond what is reasonable. And it is not unreasonable to me to say at least three days a week, you have to test. And if you have a positive test, you have to quarantine. These are things that are still being ironed out. The the frequency of testing, quarantine, all that stuff, they still don't have that figured out. They had months and they've squandered the opportunity to get this taken care of. And Packers players are, were among those to speak out. Curtis Bolton told an incredibly heartfelt story about chasing his NFL dream and the risks that he's already taken and the toll that it's taken on his body. And he has given all of that. He has sacrificed all of that to be an NFL player. And the owners have sacrificed what? You know, usually the economic case is, well, you know, the the business owner takes on the risk. What is the risk? What is the risk in this case? If an NFL owner doesn't want to go into this season, doesn't want to have a coronavirus season, they could sell their team tomorrow and make a billion dollars. And when I say make, I mean make. They could make because none of them paid a billion. And I guess the Carolina Panthers owner did. But you're going to get a billion dollars from the sale of your team. If you want out, you can get out. There is no scenario, no scenario, even in a global pandemic, where your investment is worth less than you put into it. There's just no scenario. They don't lose money. You can be the worst team in the league and not lose money. The NFL prints money. There is no risk for the owners. And yes, they're writing the checks, but they're writing the checks because the league prints money. Not because the owners are savvy. You know, the the Cowboys make extra money because Jerry Jones is so smart. But they make extra money. Everyone could run their league and be fine. This is, this is not charity. The risk to owners is essentially nothing 
and the risk to players is everything. And they're saying, okay, in order for this to move forward, we need to mitigate the risk that we can. So we can take just normal NFL risk, just normal wear and tear body, head injury, not be able to walk when we're 45 risk. That is what they're, they want. And that doesn't seem unreasonable to me. And it also doesn't seem unreasonable to want to have to buy car parts in an experience that isn't so pressurized, that isn't so confusing, and that is best for the consumer. You walk into a chain store, they might have different prices for different people. You're a professional mechanic, you get a different price than a do-it-yourselfer. How is that fair to the do-it-yourselfers? Rock Auto's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. They always offer the best possible price without changing them based on what the market will pay for them. And they have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to taillights to motor oil and even new carpet. Best of all, as I said, reliably low prices for everyone right now. Go to rockauto.com, get that car part that you've been pushing off because you just don't want to go to one of those big box stores and deal with it. Go and get the part you need for the lowest possible price at Rock Auto and write locked on in their how did you hear about us section so they know we sent you. So I want to talk about this Aaron Rodgers piece that I wrote and I don't want to talk about the piece. I want to talk about the point of the story and it's something that I've hinted at and it's something that we've talked about a little bit but I dug in really far. I, I dug as body deep as you can go on the stats around that's everyone's favorite thing let's talk about the numbers everyone please open your textbooks to page 376 get out your calculators no this is it's actually really easy it's very simple we don't even have to talk about the numbers but we're going to um aaron Rodgers is still great on the hard parts of the field and at the hard things he is still great as a drop back passer and still great throwing to the sidelines the problem is the rest of the league has figured out that the inefficiency is that on offense, the best thing for you to do is to attack the middle of the field and to use play action. They are, of course, related. And even when Mike McCarthy wanted to throw more to the middle of the field, Aaron Rodgers didn't. And, you know, you go back to 2018, the Packers were second last in percentage of deep throws that were to the middle of the field, only to the, the Seahawks. You never want to be in the same conversation in terms of a modern offense with the Seahawks, even though they were middle of the pack in terms of routes run over the deep middle. Aaron Rodgers wasn't throwing the ball there. Now, the weird thing is when Aaron Rodgers has thrown the ball last year, for example, when he throws the ball to the middle of the field, he's really good, really good. In fact, he had last season a passer rating of 119 on throws to the middle of the field. 13 touchdowns, one interception. But to, to give you an idea of just how efficient it is to throw across the middle of the field, last year Aaron Rodgers, on throws to the middle of the field, completed 73% of his passes. 73%. Last year, that was 18th. 18th. That's how efficient throwing to the middle of the field is. Aaron Rodgers doesn't do it. In 2018, out of the 35 quarterbacks who threw at least 75 passes, 10 or more yards down the field, 35, Aaron Rodgers finished 34th in shares of throws to the middle of the field. 
34th out of 35. Now, he upped that number in 2019 a little bit. He was 21st in attempts to the middle of the field. But why not more? Why not just be league average or a little bit above? Why not have the 12th most throws to the middle of the field? And one reason would be not just because it's more efficient. You have Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is one of the best middle-of-the-field receivers in football. Last season, he was one of the best slot receivers in football. Top five in yards per route run from the slot for his career. For his career, the best route he runs, the most efficient route he runs, is the slant. The middle of the field. Get him the ball in the middle of the field. This is related to the problems that Aaron Rodgers has with play action. And this is something that I wrote about, something we've talked about. Aaron Rodgers last year was not great on play action. One of the changes that they made late in the season was to tweak the RPO that instead of the pass option on the run pass option being a screen, it was a slant. And some of it was pure play action, slant in behind. This is the point of play action. Open up the middle of the field. So if you don't throw to the middle of the field, it's no wonder your play action game would suffer because that is the point of play action, is to open up the middle of the field. So this is the inherent conflict between Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, even if there's not actual conflict. It's a play style conflict that needs to be resolved. And the person who needs to resolve it is Aaron Rodgers. Because earlier in his career, he threw to the middle of the field. And he was great on play action. Not anymore. So why? Why? And I, I don't have an answer. I don't want to get into his psychology. You know, some fans have mentioned the serious injuries with players over the middle of the field. Most notably, Jermichael Finley had his career end on a throw to the middle of the field. And is Aaron Rodgers a little bit more afraid of those kinds of plays? Not wanting to get somebody hurt. That is certainly a charitable way to describe it. And I know that there are a lot of fans who have also said, oh, you know, it's a congested part of the field. Well, no, that's the point is that this offense in particular is designed to create openings in the middle of the field. And I would say when I went back and looked at a lot of the missed throws from Aaron Rodgers, the the throws not that he didn't make accurately, but the throws that he didn't make, it's throws to open receivers in the middle of the field. Now, are they wide open? No. But are they Aaron Rodgers open? Yeah, at least for most of his career. Now, how much of that is confidence in the receivers that he's throwing to? Well, some of them are to guys like Geronimo Allison, who he ostensibly trusts. So why not throw to those guys? And if you're going to make a counter argument for Aaron, it's that he hasn't had that down the seam killer. He hasn't had... You know, what Jared Cook was for brief stretches, Randall Randall Cobb in his prime was a middle-of-the-field monster. And, you know, you have Greg Jennings who can get open on slants. He's never had that guy who just absolutely dominates the middle of the field, though. Never really had a Rob Gronkowski. Never had a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle. But those guys, not you don't need that to be a great offense. There are plenty of great offenses that don't have that. In fact, the Saints last year were really good without that. The Vikings last year were good without it. You can have a good run game and a good passing game without having a great, great middle-of-the-field tight end because schematically you can take advantage of those middle-of-the-field throws. 
Now, it is the case that at the end of the season, the Packers got better. And it's not a coincidence that one of the reasons they got better is because they started to throw Devontae Adams more on play action, and they started to use Devontae Adams in the middle of the field. Aaron Rodgers on play action or RPOs in the postseason, 17 of 19 for 217 yards and a touchdown, plus a 14-yard run. That's an 80% success rate. So if you're looking for reasons to be optimistic about this team, you say, okay, Aaron Rodgers isn't the, the guy he used to be in terms of play creation and improvisation and throws on the run and the, and the skill position players are not what they used to be. Okay, all of that can be true. But the things that are holding Aaron Rodgers back from producing like a super elite quarterback are inefficiencies in places where the rest of the league is efficient. The rest of the league is better at play action. The rest of the league is better at attacking the middle of the field. And not just better, that those are the two easiest places to attack defenses. And Green Bay has been bad at them. Just get to league average. Just get to league average in those places. They were bad, 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 bad. Just get to league average. And your offense can take a pretty sizable step forward. And they were already a top 10 offense. So keep, keep the run game that stays in the top five, that's been a top five offense basically since Aaron Jones got here, and elevate that passing offense a little bit. Get that back into the top 10, get that more in that 6-7 range, and all of a sudden you've got a top five offense and you have an offense that can carry you to a Super Bowl if necessary, even though it's not necessary because this defense we've seen be really good too. This is the missing piece for this team. Find a way to marry what Matt LaFleur wants to do, which, by the way, from a philosophic standpoint, from a tactical standpoint, is the right thing. He wants to attack the middle of the field. He wants to use play action. And so they amped up both of those things last year. Aaron Rodgers needs to be better in those situations. And and, and in particular in play action. Be better in play action and throw to the middle of the field more because he was already really good there. He was really good throwing to the middle of the field last year. A passer rating over 120 to the deep middle and a 125 passer rating to the inter- intermediate middle. Those are incredible numbers. League average to the deep middle, 87.6 passer rating. And the intermediate middle, 91.3. He had a 125 passer rating. He can do it. He just needs to do it more. And that is the next step for him in this offense. It's not, it's not about buy-in, I don't think. It's about unlearning some of the habits he had with Mike McCarthy because they didn't attack the middle of the field for a long time. They didn't run play action for a long time. If they can get back to just being league average at places where the rest of the league is already more efficient, then that can be as simple as anything else without adding new receivers, without adding a ton of new skill talent, with even with you know a downgraded offensive line. This offense can get better simply by doing the the quote-unquote easy things, easy by NFL standards, better. All right, we're going to be back the rest of the week. We're we're back to shows. It's showtime. We're going to at least four shows every week, if not five, because training camp starts next week theoretically, and hopefully... And hopefully they can get a deal done, as Andrew Brandt also is fond of saying, deadline spur action. So players are going to start to have to come soon. I mean, the Packers rookies were scheduled to come and start practice this week. And it doesn't look like that's going to happen on time because, you know, at least at time of this recording, there is not an agreement in place 
between these two sides. So something to monitor in the coming days, something we will certainly monitor in the coming days. And hopefully very soon we will actually have football to discuss. We will actually be able to talk about stuff happening on the field and not, you know, the latest updates with COVID. I'm, I'm sorry that that is such a, a topic of discussion, but it's important. And it's not just important because of what's going on in the world. It's affecting the NFL schedule. And these NFL players, some of them might sit because of what's going on. So it, it, it's something that we just have to take into account here. And it's something that, unfortunately, the league has just not had anything close to a feasible and workable plan to move forward here with. You can follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.